0: Queer Relationships, an I Am Clinic podcast devoted to helping you, the LGBTQ plus community, create the love lives and
1: relationships you crave. Take time to dream on where you're going. So I want to encourage people to think about what could be. Think about your joys and hopes and dreams and what brings you fulfillment. And, and let's work towards those. Let's use what you have to, to accomplish those hopes and dreams and goals. And I want to tell people that it's, it is achievable. It is doable. We just have to use the right tools to put it together.
0: Attachment is a big word in counseling psychology. Attachments are established by the relational quality and the relational dynamic our primary care provider creates for us. The type of attachment we have on our first birthday will be the attachment we replicate over and over again. Sounds a bit daunting, right? Well, it doesn't have to be. We can always work towards something called an earn secure attachment. But what do attachments have to do with money? Well, today, our financial coach, Tim Leach, will explain what various attachment styles to money might look like and what we can do about it. If you find yourself stuck in or vacillating in and out of an unwanted financial pattern, today's episode is for you. Let's take a listen. One of the things that it seems you're really passionate about when you talk about money is the idea of attachment to money and how we maybe the role that finances and money plays in our life. And of course, from a clinical background, we think about this idea of attachment between child and primary care provider. And attachment becomes, as we know from the research and years of study, That attachments that we form with our primary care provider becomes the attachment we will have to many other things, including money. And so the way that we're taught to be in relationship with others or other things uh, directly affects the way we're taught to be in relationship with money. Um, And it sounds like you've kind of think through that oftentimes when you're sitting with financial coaching clients or even maybe in your own life, but I'm excited to hear more.
1: Yeah, I think attachment is one of the biggest things we all have. We have attachment to things we need to survive, you know, with our parenting, security growing up, all the way to food and shelter. And money is one of those things that we have an attachment to as well. One of the biggest ones I see is is the avoidant attachment where I don't think about money, I don't feel about money I try to just bury my head in the sand and cross my fingers and hope it works out you know? <laughs> uh, I'm counting on social security and hopefully everything is great or I hope I get a house someday or I hope I can get out of debt uh, so that's one of the biggest things that I that I see is the avoidance style of of money uh, next one would be disorganized oh I've got fifty dollars here in this account and two hundred dollars here in this account and i'm saving up $100 a month for a house but i don't know how it's all all working out so it's that's one of the biggest ones is this the disorganization it's kind of like the water's kind of go out into a puddle instead of a focused like stream or river mm-hmm. um and so that's that's one of the biggest ones i see is the just the chaotic or disorganized viewpoint on money but what we're what we're looking for is neither avoidant uh nor nor disorganized or chaotic, but we want a secure attachment to money. That money is something not to be avoided. Money is not scary. Money is not something to get a lot of stress over if you have a plan on where you want it to go and how you're using it. That's where you can bring a peace of mind and a security with it. So that's what I try to build with my clients and with myself is a secure attachment to money where we can... You know, have have a relationship. We do have a relationship with money. That's not something we can avoid in America. Uh, but how do how do you be secure and how do you feel safe? How do you have a plan? How do you take a deep breath and say, "I'm going to be okay," and and here's what I'm working towards or where I'm going in life.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I think that one of the the pieces of if we're using like clinical language around attachments. I love the idea. I've heard one person refer to it as an earned secure attachment. Hmm. You know, because I think the research shows us that whatever relationship you had with your primary care provider before age one will determine your relationship with everybody after your first birthday. One of my favorite little quotes is uh, or pieces of research that I learned in grad school is uh, or in undergrad, that we can determine someone's um, graduating high school GPA and how much money they'll make their first year out of high school, depending on the type of attachment they have before their first birthday. And that can cast a lot of doom, right? Like let's say if I have a disorganized or an anxious attachment to my primary care provider, does that mean then that I will always have that? And the language of earned secure attachment says no, We can heal or improve upon our attachment style working ourselves into an earned secure attachment and i think it seems like that's kind of what you're hoping for is to really help clients shift out of any type of chaos or disorganization in their finances and kind of earn that secure attachment with money
1: yeah i think it's something that we learn over time and you're not stuck there forever i've seen clients wait until their fifties or sixties to start saving for retirement or for a house. And they've been able to succeed there. I've seen people just cause you start early at 20 something doesn't mean you're any necessarily further ahead or further behind than somebody else. It's about what you do moving forward. Just like, you know, if you're trying to get yourself in shape or whatever it might be, lose weight, you're not going to lose 20 pounds in the next two weeks. You know, it takes time to build healthy habits, to get an exercise routine, to start losing some of that weight and move towards a goal. And then how do you maintain it from there? You know, just like financially getting in shape is the same as physically getting in shape. How do you make the changes you need to, to get some gains initially? And then how do you maintain that, uh, moving forward as well? So that's, Mm -hmm. that's one of the biggest things that when clients have that peace of mind, it's, it's a significant change i'm sure you I'm sure you've seen in your clients as well and your work that when people make some connections that I have some hope or that I have a plan or that I have some goals I want to achieve, and I've achieved a few of them mm-hmm. you know having some manageable goals mm-hmm. man I, I can change lives. I'm sure you've seen that a lot in your practice as well
0: mm-hmm. absolutely, you know I think that I wonder if if it's like me in this term in the sense of like lifting weights or training for a marathon or whatever I might be up to but when I set a goal it's really easy it takes work and effort for sure but I'm really sure to accomplish the goal but I think it's the maintenance for me that's always the hard part
1: (laughs) yeah the the day in the day out consistency and that's something that I Uh, Tim personally, that I'm really good at is the maintenance. Sometimes I struggle myself to dream, to think about what's next. And so Mm -hmm. to have somebody help me or help challenge me to that next goal is is big. And so if I can be that person that can help challenge somebody or give some people some goals to shoot for, Mm -hmm. that's big. And then part of it's maintaining. So if I meet with clients three or four times at the beginning and you know, either, either that's a couple of weeks or a couple months, you know, then it's a check-in mm-hmm. w- once a year, twice a year, quarterly, just to see, hey, where are we going with that? How is it going? How are we moving forward towards that goal? Or how are you maintaining that goal that we talked about financially in life? And it affects other parts of your life. If you feel we're all interconnected beings, I think. And so if you feel secure in your finances, you may feel more secure in your relationships as well, or or more secure with other parts of your life. I've seen that uh, time and time again with clients.
0: Mm -hmm. This might be a big question, but what does it look like from your perspective to have an earned secure attachment or just a secure attachment with money? What does that kind of person do or who do they have?
1: Yeah. The person that would have an earned, earned secure attachment would be somebody that's willing to engage in the process. I think just like in the clinical realm or when I'm coaching clients, if they're not willing to engage the process to take a look at where am I, and then to dream a little bit of where I could be, Mm -hmm. it's not going to really work. You know, I can give them all the ideas and tools and plans to get to where they say they want to go but if if clients aren't willing to do their part in it it's not going to actually go anywhere similar in counseling similar in other things of life as well i think an an earned secure attachment would be somebody that enjoys enjoys doing their part enjoys doing their work and enjoys um accomplishing things i think it's somebody that has a plan of you know money comes in from my job it goes into my checking account and i know it's going to these couple these couple places from there so i think that that would be an earned secure attachment somebody that would feel confident even talking to their friends about hey i've got a plan myself somebody that would be open you know, finance. I think is similar, in my experience, to talking about sexuality a lot. I think it can. There can be a lot of shame. There can be a lot of hindrance. There can also be a lot of joy when you're doing it right and you're having, you know, a positive connection with it as well. I think people have positive connections with their finances, you know, and you're willing to talk about it with others. That can that can uh, be helpful in in developing a secure attachment, saying it's not something. I need to be ashamed about or something that I feel inept in, but it's something that I can gain confidence in as well moving forward. And when you get that confidence that that can go a long way towards being a blessing to other people as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're reminding me of a conversation I had once with Joe, my partner, and I was demonstrating probably an ambivalent, ambivalent attachment style to him And he was getting so frustrated with me. And he kept saying things like, Isaac, I'm asking you to grow not because I want to be controlling, but because it'll be better for us. We will laugh more. We'll enjoy each other more. Like This goal is to help us love each other better, not to put more restrictions or to make us feel more trapped and that conversation really stuck out to me and you're reminding me of that that to work towards an earn secure attachment with money isn't about learning how to do restraint really well although that might be part of it but it's not about shutting your life down and living smaller it's about learning how to interact with money in a way that really leads to fulfillment because having some of this stability and peace of mind is probably more fulfilling and more reassuring than having the day-to-day Starbucks and the one new outfit a month.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Or whatever it might be. Yeah. It's when, when clients have, have a, have a understanding of why they're doing what they're doing, it goes a long way. Okay. I'm sacrificing the Starbucks so that I can be out of debt months Mm -hmm. or years earlier. You know, that's, that's worth it to me, Mm -hmm. you know, in that scenario, or maybe it's not you know, maybe it's worth cutting back on Starbucks once a week instead of five times a week, it's cutting back to four from five, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't always have to be so extreme in finances. I think people get so carried away that I've got to make these big changes now that, that, that doesn't, that doesn't happen uh, mm-hmm. overnight. And it's, it's about, you know, feeling comfortable with yourself, you know, in your example with yeah, he, you know, it's, it's about maintaining that connection or building that connection through sharing and and through vulnerability and taking a look at where, where you're at and connecting with yourself so that you feel better about the process. Mm -hmm. So helping, helping clients connect with themselves to understand why they're doing it and then making a plan to move forward is, it can bring a lot of joy to a lot of people. Mm -hmm.
0: Absolutely. There was a, a time when I was in college and I was drinking like a fish and it was becoming quite a problem. <laughs> and I remember the summer, it was a spring and a summer where I really put my drinking in check. And I remember waking up on Saturday mornings without a hangover. And I went for a very long run. I think I'd run like seven and a half miles. Um, and I remember being so thankful that I had put in the work to make that change. And I feel like in the same way, money is the same, you know, to to not swipe the card here or there, to put some restrictions, and to go without some of that temporary or short-term gratification could really start to stack up and provide a lot of long-term satisfaction in the way where we're kind of in a new zone, experiencing a new type of pleasure and being really grateful that we made those sacrifices.
1: Yeah, I think, I think for me with my clients, I've got clients that are so short-term focused on maybe a, a goal in the next one to six months. And I've got clients that are so scared about 30 years from now or 40 years from now when I retire and beyond that they, they forget to live in the present. They forget to live in the present. So it's about with finances I've seen, it's about living a balanced life of Taking that vacation, of enjoying that night out for dinner, of you know buying that extra thing that you want. So it's it's not to cut out all fun or all immediate gratification because that's an important part of our lives as well. And we can't. I've seen clients live so frugally now to build up their retirement accounts or whatever their long term goal might be that they they lose out on the joy uh, mm-hmm. for things and so. It's definitely a blend of, yes, I'm enjoying the fruits of the short-term things that I've maybe sacrificed or made a difference now, and I can accomplish my goals later on. So it's definitely, I think we're all trying to live a little more balanced lives, and that's, that's where I see the fruit of it. Uh, for example, me and my partner were in student loans, and we worked hard. We decided to sacrifice, cut out a lot of the excess stuff in our budget to get out of student loans a lot faster and we we were able to do that and it was it was hard for a season. It was I definitely wanted to go for that extra thing or buy that whatever it would be but I knew for a short term I could sacrifice for that and the peace that I felt getting out of student loans was huge to have that weight off my chest and then to start using that money I was using towards the debt me and my partner to use it towards other things and repurpose those funds that that's the fun part. That's the cool part of, okay, now, where do I put that money? Where do I build it back in? So it's, yeah, it's a balance of the short-term and long-term to balance where we're going and how we can do that sustainably, you know, Mm -hmm. it's to not eat out for the next three years, not sustainable. I mean, for anybody I've met at least, Mm -hmm.
0: Um my stomach flipped when you mentioned that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
1: I know that kind of stuff. Like we want to have joy. Yeah. We have to do brunch. Where's my mimosas? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's important. But, but to do it for three months or a short term, if you have a goal for it, it can be worth it.
0: Our financial career and life coaches are available to anyone, anywhere in the world. If you'd like to chat with one of them to get started on your goals, hop on our website at imcounsel.com, or give us a ring, 720-551-8382. We also want to hear from you. We want to be a resource in your daily life. Send us your questions or your challenges and we'll answer them for you in a live Q&A episode that will stream during Pride. DM us on Instagram at LGBTQ underscore therapy. If you like mental health tricks and tips at the palm of your hand, follow us on TikTok at IAMClinic, or you can follow me on TikTok at Isaac Forte. But for now, let's get back to the show. What do you feel like are some of the things, if someone had a, a disorganized attachment style or even an avoidant attachment style, what might be the things they might want to pay attention to to kind of get? back online to maybe start earning that secure attachment.
1: Yeah, I think just one of the things I encourage my clients to do is just try to track your expenses for one month, maybe two months. Not in any judgmental way or in any way that I should be doing better, but just try to do kind on of an Excel spreadsheet or just add up how much you spent on groceries or rent, just write it down compared to your income just to see where you're at. I think that's the first part, uh, particularly for the avoidant people, to do that part, to say, okay, I should probably look at just where's my money going, whether it's in the positive or in the negative, just where is it going? And I think on the disorganized, I found a lot of people are surprised at all the different ways their money goes. And also, I think people are in my experience, people are less disorganized than they view themselves. So I think for the disorganized people, they think they're really disorganized, but they're they're typically a little better off than they think. So it actually gives those kind of people a little bit of hope from what I've seen with my clients. So I would just say right just take a look at some numbers for a month or two months. I know holiday season typically we spend more so. But just take a look at at a time and then and then maybe you want to start talking to somebody. And that's why, you know, I'm here as a financial coach to help, help people take some of that data and think through the motivations, the, the left brain, the two plus two equals four and the right brain kind of stuff. What are my hopes and feelings and dreams and emotions about money? And, and start making a plan from there to get some, to get some traction. So I, that'd be my first step would be recommending just write it down a month or two and that's that that can be hard um, to face it to look at it but it's it's a starting place of where am i at today Mm -hmm. to then to start dreaming about where can i go tomorrow
0: i do like that zeroing in or that focus on what do my finances look like because i oftentimes wonder especially with avoidant attachment in relationships it becomes this um, relinquishing of power And so when I give up my power and the chaos starts to ensue, then now I'm I'm kind of in the self-fulfilling prophecy where I don't want to approach the chaos. And so the powerlessness kind of, it starts to increase. And so the more that the powerlessness increases, the more avoidant I become because the chaos is too intense. And to reverse that is exactly like what you're saying, is to kind of dive into that chaos for the last time. So that you can rein it in and really start to increase your power so that you feel powerful over your finances rather than your finances feeling powerful over you. And I,
1: yeah, kind of like, I mean, I'm thinking about like being on the beach when the wave comes in and sweeps at you and you're trying to stand up to the wave. That's hard to do. You know, you get knocked back a little bit and you Mm -hmm. feel yourself when the wave goes back out into the ocean, kind of swept away. But what does it look like to? stand there and you know feel the wave coming at you and feeling it kind of dissipate what does it look like to hold steady there just Mm -hmm. to get a viewpoint on where you're really at you know that's a big that's a big thing on starting to grow
0: Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely i'm thinking of my own journey here so i might just kind of feel around for a second or maybe be a little verbose but i remember when I was first out of college, and definitely out of grad school, but it was almost kind of like it felt like um, there just wasn't enough money to after I paid my rent at the time. Gosh, it was four hundred and forty dollars. My first little <laughs> one-bedroom apartment yeah, in Denver yeah. sounds crazy to me wow. today. But once I paid my rent, bought groceries you know, filled up my car with gas and paid the insurance and paid my cell phone and the internet and blah, blah, blah. I remembered not having very much money at all. So I took a janitorial job. I cleaned a print shop and that was just so exhausting. I was working in child protection, doing foster care and family therapy all day. And then I turn around and, you know, wear the vacuum, like a backpack and go around and clean Mm -hmm. this building. And it was very exhausting. And so I think during that season of life, I definitely had an avoidant attachment to money because it felt like there was just no hope. Like I would always be stuck in this position. Um, Of course, that wasn't true with a lot of hard work. You begin to experience an increase of money with hard work and so forth and so on, whatever it might be. But for someone in that position where it feels like money just you know, Almost kind of like it comes in one ear and leaves out the other, kind of a thing where it comes into one hand and disappears right away. What's a good way for that person to maybe get started, or what would you have them pay attention to if you're talking to 23 year old Isaac? What would, yeah. you, what would you tell him?
1: I'd tell him enjoy the 440 a month in Denver.
0: Uh- <laughs> Fair enough.
1: Uh, <laughs> At least my mortgage no, is $440. That would be that's, low. that's okay. No, Oh, uh, those were the days, huh? Um, no, I would say there, there's a lot of hopelessness. I think a lot of people think I'm never going to get out of this cycle of most people in America live paycheck to paycheck. Uh, as one bill, as one paycheck comes in, the bills go out and there's less, you know, less than you have at the beginning, uh, oftentimes at the month, I would say, you know, don't lose hope. Uh it seems bleak and what can you do differently? You know, like in your situation, maybe it's maybe it's a side hustle. Maybe it's uh like for you as janitor stuff. I did that through grad school as well. I worked full time and I cleaned toilets for three years at night. So I remember the the backpack uh vacuum as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so maybe it's uh looking at an extra job or maybe it's uh you know. Looking at if anything, I can cut back. Um, but not to lose hope and hopefully you're not gonna be there for years and years to come. And so maybe it's talking to a career coach on doing a career change. You know, if the money's not enough in that job, maybe it's how do I get another job that could be paying more so that I can make some traction. So I think for anybody there, and there's a lot of people out there uh who feel that way, feel stuck feel trapped, feel hurt by the world, by their own choices, maybe. Um, Not to give up hope, but to think about what you could maybe do differently and think about what could be, and maybe try to dream a little. If I had $1,000 more a month, what would I do with it? Mm -hmm. So I think until you actually start, I remember uh, working in, uh, I was helping an organization fundraise for their, for their nonprofit and talking to them, I said, what if you guys got a $5 million gift from a donor, what would you do with it? Mm -hmm. And they said, we have no idea what we would do with a $5 million gift from it. I said, that's, that's maybe why (laughs) your organization isn't growing, you know, because you don't take the time to, to dream and to think about where you could be, you know? So even take some time, even if it's tight right now, what could an extra hundred dollars a month, what would I do with it? Mm -hmm. Extra 500, a thousand, whatever your dollar amount is. And it's not about, I've seen clients making $250,000 a year live paycheck to paycheck. Mm -hmm. So it's not, it's not necessarily a dollar threshold from what I've seen. Um, A lot of people in different income brackets live that paycheck to paycheck lifestyle. But what would you do if you had that extra money and then start, seeing how you can maybe get it, whether it's through cutting back, a side hustle, maybe, uh, maybe take out a loan, a home, you know, there's different options out there to maybe get some money to get you going. But yeah, I would say, don't, don't forget to dream. That's, that's easy to say hard to do. Mm -hmm. Um, but don't forget to dream on what could be out there as well.
0: I love that. I wish honestly, Tim, that I would have heard this when I was 23 legitimately like seriously because i yeah. think when i was 23 it was i don't know if i'll ever have money so i might as well enjoy what i have i think i wouldn't have used that language back then but that's definitely looking back what i was doing and so it was like oh this month i had i have an extra 200 finally i could go buy those shoes that i need yeah and and then it was like oh and that hat is cool so i'll buy that too and then i was back in the same position yeah and as my paycheck started to increase, the more I, the, the more there was things out there, quote unquote, that I needed. And so then I found myself in positions where I was making more money, but still living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. I had one client once. He was a millionaire, and um, they were talking about finances as a family. And he said, "You know, Isaac, um, when I was making thirty thousand, and I went to seventy thousand, um, I didn't think that I would be paycheck to paycheck, but I was." And then he said, when I went from 70,000 to 100,000, I'm still living paycheck to paycheck because we have the ability to spend more. We buy a bigger house, a bigger car, and our financial situation doesn't look any different. And I think putting some of that intention behind the finances in terms of what are my goals, it really makes this maintenance idea that you're teaching us today <laughs> yeah, a lot more um empowering rather than feeling like we're um fasting going hard. Yeah.
1: yeah and i think in with with goals also what are my values you know you know where where my money's going that's going to show kind of where my heart's bent is a little bit as well and so you know and once you ch- once you achieve your goal you don't always have to get the bigger and best
0: i do feel like there's a lot of wisdom behind identifying the goal because then it makes this maintenance idea way more empowering rather than feeling like it is withholding or restricting.
1: Yeah. And when we can, and it's fun to accomplish goals. I think a lot of people get, I know I do, and a lot of people get satisfaction in accomplishing those goals. And then there's other personality types that goals are tough for, but also you don't always have to increase those goals. And so once I Let's say I want to save five thousand dollars a year for retirement. The next year you don't have to keep saving six and seven and eight thousand a year. You could keep doing the five thousand if that's gonna get you to where your goal is gonna be down the line. Then what are you gonna do with that extra one or two or three thousand dollars more that you have? Mm-hmm. You know, go on that vacation. Go take a party of a hundred people out for drinks. I, I know some people have in their budgets, uh, a party, party fund that they save. I can't remember the dollar amount each month, but they, the couple actually realized they weren't spending it throughout the year because they were so concerned about money that in December they threw a big party. They said, we got to spend this money on a party. And they spent, I don't know, $2,000 on drinks and caterers and all this stuff for their friends and family to come over and have a big party at the end of the year. And, uh, it was cool to see them be diligent saving. I think it was actually $200 a month for eating out or entertainment that they didn't do throughout the year. And so they decided to throw a big party to celebrate uh, at the end of That's the year awesome. because it's money they meant to be used and not to throw towards a dad or whatever it was. It was meant to be fun money. And man, that was fun to go celebrate and, and celebrate them accomplishing their goal and sharing it with other people was really fun. And so it's, it's about, the hope and the joy that you can bring to other people through finances, through generosity as well, whether it's giving to an organization or just buying a cup of coffee for a friend that goes that goes a long way. So I always like the idea of like having a generosity fund or as part of your budget, a line item, maybe it's ten dollars a month that you want to bless bless somebody with, mm-hmm. you know, buying dinner. Drinks, maybe it's maybe it's making a, a house payment for somebody. Who knows? I've seen clients do big things, which is fun. Mm-hmm. But how do you how do you bless people with the extra that you have once you start accomplishing some of those goals?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm thinking of like to stay in line with this idea of goals and intention, but also kind of now mixing in what is our priority. I think is also something that I could have benefited from back in my twenties. I remember driving around, you know, in a car that was falling apart quite literally. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, my priority was to just feel normal. And I think as a queer person, that pain around maybe being more of a feminine person, um, being hispanic in a white culture whatever it might be and then you throw on this pressure of not having money quote unquote like everybody else and it was i'd get this money and think like oh thank god i just got paid now what can i go buy to make myself feel normal yeah and i think had i had the instruction of setting goals for my money but also what do i really prioritize would have given me a lot more structure around how i spent my money I think I maybe would have prioritized saving for a house more, or investing in something else. You know, it was like, okay, what outfit do I need, and what's the most expensive gym so I can have the clothes and the body that will make me feel most normal. Um, and that didn't really serve me because all of that, as a, as my self esteem improved, I realized that I was kind of throwing money away at something that didn't really benefit me emotionally but also even kind of financially in the long story of my life. And so I really like this idea of thinking about the priorities that we hold and how we're using our money to fund those or to prepare for them.
1: Yeah, that's that's a big deal. I mean, I've I've spent money, we've all spent money on things that really didn't last and really, you know, maybe didn't bring us joy that we thought it would as mm-hmm. well. And so how do we use money as a tool to bring joy to ourselves, mm-hmm. to others, to help the world, whatever it might be. How do we use the influence that we've been given through money to, to be a blessing to ourselves and to others? And how do we accomplish those goals? You know, and I think so many people want to just say, Tim, what's the right answer? What should I do with my money? There's no there's no right answer. There's no cookie cutter approach. You know, we can talk about tax diversification and debts and Roth IRAs and blah, blah, blah. There's, there's things you can do, but there's no one right answer. And even we're not all purely logical beings where, you know, getting this interest rate and this particular down to the penny stuff is going to serve me because we're a blend of emotional and logical beings and so we need to blend that emotion what might be valuable for you Isaac might not be valuable for me and that's okay mm-hmm. and how do we both use the money that we've earned or been given to accomplish things that are valuable to us and what are our values and who are we as people and i think man that's why it's important to to do therapy to work on yourselves to understand our community and what we're trying to do personally and then, and then fit our money kind of into that. I think it's a whole person, uh, a whole person education. You know, we can't just be a financial education. It can't just be some aspect of therapy you're working towards. I think it money blends into a lot of what we are and it reveals a lot in relationships as well on, on where we're going, what our goals are, particularly with, if you're in a relationship with somebody that, that adds a whole nother layer. And I'm sure you've seen that with your clients and other people as well. So,
0: and my partner.
1: <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to say it, but yeah. Yeah. Yes. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> money money is a big revealer in relationships. Yes. Um, man, when you got one person who's a big spender and one person's who a big saver, mm-hmm. Phew, mm-hmm. there's some sparks that can fly really quick. I've seen mm-hmm. things get, get heated very fast but when we can help when I can use finances and talk with two partners in the same room to help them understand each other to help them understand why they're doing what they're doing and why it's important to them to do, do x y z man the the togetherness and the synergy that can happen is really powerful and mm-hmm. it's fun to see the healing in relationships where you can say to one person no oh, you're not a jerk Because you spend all our extra money Mm -hmm. each month on in my opinion frivolous things you know blah 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 Uh, but when you can actually understand each other understand where they're coming from it it can be powerful in helping two people uh use relationships moving forward as well for sure
0: absolutely whenever i see those kind of couples who are are experiencing that point of friction The interesting thing to me is that they're both hunting for the same thing and it's usually safety. The one who is spending saying, I want to feel safe in my own home environment. I want a bigger apartment or the couch that we need so that I can feel comfortable and know that my space is a refuge for me. Meanwhile, the Mm. other person is saying, but I want to feel safe by knowing we have X amount in the savings account and I can sit on the shitty couch forever. I don't need. And so it's really kind of finding what is that that common emotional desire down there for this example safety and then helping them kind of co-create a route that will help both of them feel safe in the way that they use their money
1: yeah that's that's a good point um you know what's the underlying issue isn't the dollars and cents the Mm -hmm. underlying issue is safety in in that in that scenario Mm -hmm. or it's you know hopes and dreams or you know sometimes there's there's emotional attachment i want a bigger tv because my mom always loved big tvs and Mm -hmm. i feel i want to feel closer to my mom so that's why i want a bigger tv
0: you
1: know Mm -hmm. we have all sorts of different all sorts of different different things things with our money you know
0: is there like one thing you want to say make sure that people
1: hear or one (sighs) sort of hope i'm trying to think i mean yeah it's Sorry, I'm looking down on this. It's not here the whole time. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, we can. I'll, I'll rephrase this, but it's like just like in your account, kind of like people aren't too far gone, or people aren't like there's hope, and that there's like, yeah, I'll I'll say something about that. Yeah, I think I think for me, when I see somebody come in my door for coaching, and the number one thing I want to instill in them is there is there there's hope. You know, you're not too far gone, you're not too far in debt you're not too whatever it might be like there's there's hope for you and there's a place for you i think particularly in the queer community how do i fit in what's what's my community what am i doing i want to feel accepted i want to feel proud of who i am and not hide it i i think that's the same thing with money where you know i want to feel proud of what i'm doing with the money and i want to feel proud of who I'm spending spending my money with and what I'm using it towards. I just want to have people come in that are feeling hopeless or I'll never do XYZ that there there is hope and there is time and there is a way to accomplish your goals if you if you start working at it and if you start thinking critically on where do I want to go and take time to dream on where you're going. So I want to encourage people to think about what could be, think about your joys and hopes and dreams and what brings you fulfillment. And, and let's work towards those. Let's use what you have to, to accomplish those hopes and dreams and goals. And mm-hmm. I want to tell people that it's, it is achievable. It is doable. We just have to use the right tools to put it together. And that's, mm-hmm. that's where I come in and the different avenues I can talk with people about and different skills and things that people can learn. I want to give people the right tools to build what they want to. Mm-hmm. with their lives and so it's it is worth it and you, there is hope that's the biggest thing i want to give people is, is hope with their finances because there's a lot of hopelessness out there and i want to instill something better than that
0: mm-hmm. money can be tricky how do we an lgbtqia plus community feel normal? when feeling normal might mean having money. Even as I say these words, something cringes inside of me. As one who advocates for our inherent worth so often, thinking of the tie between money and fitting in makes me very suspect of what it truly means to feel comfortable and find belonging. I am so thankful for Tim and his words of wisdom, his expertise, to help us my discomfort and speak to an important issue with such compassion, ease, and realistic expectations. The ways in which he thinks about money and our attachment to it creates an accessible route from challenges to freedom, from confusion to being informed, and from avoiding to embracing. I really found it refreshing, to be honest, to think about working towards an earned secure attachment with money. An earned secure attachment is almost like a sash covered in badges you've earned. As we leave behind the old fears, insecurities, and wounding by working really hard and healing, we earn new behavioral patterns, but we also earn a new position, a new title, a new style of relationships. The same thing goes for our relationships with money. Changing our relationships with money will force us into a phase of transition, and transitional phases are often filled with discomfort, unknowing, and awkwardness. Taking time to examine our finances and to set goals can be hard in and of itself, but to put in motion the withholding, the changes, and the grit to stay on track is another type of challenge. As you may remember from the What Is Coaching episode with Ray Stout, we asked who am I, where am I going, and how will I get there? These questions are a great start to orienting towards the right financial track. Let's all take Tim's advice and start with manageable and realistic goals while we stay present in our lives. I mention these questions not only because they help us stabilize our convictions to change, but they also act like an anchor in the emotional storm that ensues during the transitional phase. When you find yourself in the transition, remember who you are, where you're going, and how you're going to get there. The answers to these questions and your emotional reactions can be a strong guide, keeping you on track. It's not about staying on track just to have more money, but a practice of self care. There is something to be said about learning how to sit in discomfort for the sake of creating comfort. Although the creation process isn't easy either, I am hopeful that it will produce a more balanced and a calm emotional environment. And that is the sweet spot. This is where I find the relaxation. Our inherent worth doesn't increase because our money becomes stable, but rather our inherent worth gets to be nurtured when we are no longer in fight, flight, or freeze mode. Privilege is a major factor to consider, so please be gentle with yourself as you make steps to improve your financial situation so that you are more free to invest in your own development. Until next time. Mwah. Queer Relationships is a podcast sponsored by IM Clinic, a counseling practice devoted to the LGBTQ community with in-person and virtual counseling options available. I Am Clinic, create the love lives and relationships you crave. Find us online on Instagram at LGBTQ underscore therapy and Facebook at IM Clinic. That's IAM Clinic.